So I feel like we approached this one the right way, you know? Because last time we had a giant saga, we did them. We tried to do them all in Listen, one day, and it didn't. It was. It didn't end up being all in one day. It was an adventure into the human psyche. I, feel I like. thought it was great. <laughs> would do again. So would you rather? Okay, so you would do it again. Yeah. Okay, so we watched Lord of the Rings over six weeks. We watched Harry Potter over two days. You do realize you've now committed yourself to watching the Star Wars prequels, Star Wars stories, and Star Wars movies, <laughs> well, sequels, and original trilogy. Maybe we'll get to that by the time one of us turns 30. I'm John. And I'm Bethany. And this is... Home Viewing. A podcast where we watch every movie in our library from A to Z. Yeah. And this week, it is a week that I have been very excited about for a long time. It's a week we've long dreaded, everyone. It's a week that I have hastened the getting here of like i've tried to you know i kept i kept trying to prepare us for it for a long time prepare but with the with the <laughs> argument you know these are long movies and we got to cover three of them let's start what you know we yeah should, i've never had an experience this long we should watch we should watch them six months it was in the, you awful. see this is this is fun it's the lord of the rings trilogy everybody if you couldn't guess it's i am if you didn't read the episode title <laughs> I am so excited. Mm-hmm. These are my Christmas movies. These are not Christmas movies at all. Nothing. They I don't. Know they're not, I know. They don't. They're not set on during Christmas. They don't mention Christmas. Listen, listen, I know they're not. Okay, they are not Christmas movies in the traditional <laughs> definition of the sense of a Christmas movie, or even in the diehard sense of a Christmas movie. These are, no but these sense. are movies that I would pretty regularly watch around Christmas time because those were times when we could just lay around all day. And what better way to lay around all day than letting Peter Jackson immerse you in three hours of Middle Earth? Typically, we would go with. Oh, two towers so this is your nature documentary. Okay, I see. You're starting to understand. I, a little bit. Okay. I mean, I mean, just look. It's look very at green. Them. Under, understand like why I like the things I like. A lot of it has to do with. The Lord of the Goddamn Rings. Like, let's let's be honest with ourselves. I can't believe you had the attention span to watch all of these. You know I've got an attention span when it comes to epic fantasy and, like, sci-fi and stuff like that. Ah, uh, the downf- downfall of ma'am. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Was that, where the, were uh, those words? The downfall of ma'am. <laughs> I think I tried to say male and man at the same time, and it it's not hitting right. Listen, it's like the 10-year anniversary of these movies. Or it's been around. <laughs> you mean ten times sorry, two? Sorry, excuse me. Twenty. Oh god. Oh god, I was so young. I was so young. Yeah, I was just being gifted the Harry Potter series. Oh man, these these are are, are a huge part of my childhood. I can't childhood. believe your parents let you watch this, considering everything else was taboo oh you see but tolkien he was friends with c.s lewis so that makes it okay (laughs) i mean the thing is gandalf's clearly like an allegory for an angel so (laughs) the magic is performed by otherworldly beings not witches no yes gandalf is so sinister though gandalf okay he's like i'm gonna help you guys oh no this is (laughs) like it is like oh they're he this is very biblical, actually. Mm-hmm. Let me help you out, but only when it fits my agenda. That's, well, it's, it's, that's it's, the message. It's, it's not even... It's biblical in the way that like all myths are kind of biblical, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I need to read some other old world texts. Tolkien, is a, Tolkien was like an, a linguist and, and like old English classicist like that. And the thing you got to remember is that the books are much longer than these movies are. There's so much that was left out of them. Like, I can be honest. I've only ever read The Hobbit. Because Lord of the Rings has lost me every time I've tried to read it. I've only ever read the first chapter of The Hobbit. <laughs> I tried. I mean, the The Hobbit was easier to keep my attention because it was written for, like, well, children. For kids? By kids. <laughs> Way. Mm. Hmm. Well, 
But we don't really need to talk so much about the book here. I think we, we need to focus specifically on the movies, which we, we didn't watch the extended versions, even though we do have the extended version of Return of the King here, which we should watch at some point yeah. for a bonus mm-hmm. episode. Like that's Maybe the you can have someone else swap with me and you can do that. See, I just need you to experience the extended editions. I don't think so. I used to like have weekends with friends dedicated to watching the extended editions. Like, you gotta understand. Our Sorry, pa- can't relate. The, the Lord of the Rings was getting popular, like, when our parents were, were in, like, high school and or, or, like, middle school, high school, like, college That's when it was, like, getting its cultural, like, researches. That's when you had, like, the Bakshi animated films coming out in, like, the 70s and 80s. The and, like, Ralph Bakshi, he was an animator. Um, so this, I think the reason that I was able to watch Lord of the Rings is because my dad was like, Lord of the Rings was really cool. You should watch this. We should watch this. It's because it was something my dad was... Ex- oh, it's because I don't have a dad. I don't understand dad things. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. The jokes have made it to the podcast, <laughs> finally. Oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean... I've done it. I mean, Lord of the Rings has done so much... To influence oh, everything God. else. And, yeah, and then everyone made it better. It's not always better. It's not always... It's not always worse, either. And a lot of the times, sometimes it is better. Sometimes it's, like, oh, more God. fun and more diverse. But, like, the the thing that Tolkien did is he, like, created this world pretty, pretty interestingly, I think. Yeah. I would also set my fantasy series in pandemic-free New Zealand. <laughs> well, that's all Peter Jackson, baby. Peter Jackson, this... Petey, as we like to call him. I mean, he made so much money off these movies. Duh. And then so much more money off the vastly inferior Hobbit movies. Man. Oh. It... I am very happy that we finally got here, though. Like, should we just talk about them? Should we just get into them? I, that's that's what the podcast is, baby. We've watched them over the last six weeks. Like, I think we watched Fellowship at the... Maybe even in November... It's it's been a long haul. Yeah, because I knew that I there was no way I was going to get you to watch them all at once. So I knew I had to. But break now them I don't remember any of them. Oh so, no! So you're gonna have to do the whole show. Oh come on! You didn't take <laughs> notes. I took notes on your phone. Yes, on my phone. So I have the Google okay, Doc I'll, up. Okay, I'll start. Okay. Fellowship of the Ring. So it's a party. It's a party. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. Main Hobbit boy, Frodo, his grandpa, he's turning... Nope, nope wrong uncle, already. Yes. His uncle is turning 100. His un- his adoptive, his uncle who has adopted him as his child because his parents died. So, in a way, kind of grandpa. But it's not It's not 100. It's not? It's 111. <sighs> keep going, keep Same going. Thing. I want to hear. I want to okay. hear more of your plot summary. So- so they're throwing a big party. Yes. You got the crazy fireworks. We got yes. Gandalf coming to town. Yes. Everyone's like, Gandalf, we love you. And they well, hop in his little wagon. No. Yeah. The children love Gandalf because yeah, of the fireworks. Do. The parents think that he's a troublemaker and rabble rouser. He is. Me too. So <laughs> he gets there and they have the party. And at the very end, there's like one more firework. And like. It's, oh, Merry and Pippin set off the dragon firework oh, that yes. scares everybody. Yeah. And then, um,. Uncle Grandpa Bilbo. Bilbo goes poof. Because he puts on his magic ring and disappears. Yeah. So he's like, I'm headed for retirement. With the elves. But like, you gotta take this ring here. Well, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want to give it up. Remember. Gandalf made him take it off, though. Yes. Or give it up. Y- yeah. Made, made him promise that's trouble. Because he realized that he was getting addicted to he the would, magic ring. He would be immortal. We didn't even talk. You know, you didn't even talk about the last alliance at the beginning of the fellowship. The who? The, the last oh, the alliance, montage at the beginning? The, the, well, first it's a montage of the different ring bearers with Galadriel doing voiceover, which is great. Like, I loved, I, I love it because it's like, they're all like looking at the camera directly. So it like feels like theater of the mind. Like when you're hearing someone tell you a story. Which yeah, I it think is plays, like the Greek chorus kind of part of it. Because you get that in each movie, right? Yeah, you get like a little flashback to the past at the beginning of each movie. Even if in the second one, it's a flashback to like the immediate past of that yeah, movie. Yeah, it's all men in long hair fighting. And then they do some voiceover. Uh, also, also really cool elves who like are able to fire all their bows at once because they're so accurate that they can just fire them through the ranks. 
Can I just say Hugo Weaving is great in it's that intro when he's speaking Elvish and like commanding them to fire? Oh, it's so cool. The elves are so cool, and like the little thing they do where they like flash their swords up like from below. Like, <sighs> I love the elves. I love the elves so much. I don't love the elves. Why the not? The elves are like, these humans are stupid. I'm going to let them fend for themselves. Well, We're going to go back to our elf world. That's the thing, though, is the elves experience time on an entirely different scale. Like, the beginning is 10,000 years ago, right? The beginning, like, the flashback of the beginning is 10,000 yeah, years ago. Yeah, and what's-his-face is just still there somehow. Because they're immortal. Elves elves don't age or die. I don't like, love this concept, though. Well, like, I, mean, okay. I think it does because what I think it does because they're like old ones who like aren't who they see what's going on, but they realize that like on a large enough time scale, what they do can't have any real effect, and that's why so they become so detached. So what's the point of living? And that's the argument. We could say that the elves leaving Middle Earth is, in a way, mass suicide if you get down to it. Uh, Isn't it don't love fascinating? Elves. Well, that's that's. But then you also have like different kinds of elves too, because you got Legolas elves. And you've got, your, you know, your forest dwellers, your, your like, badasses. And then you've got your, like, Elrond, like, ancient high elves, you know? Because Legolas, Legolas, he's old, but he's, like, a baby on elf scale, you know? Yeah, he says some really dumb stuff. Uh, he's the best. He's a dumb baby. Legolas was a lot of people's queer awakening, if, if we're honest. Like, not, like, like, for people... Le- and by by this I do mean like Legolas. They were like, "Oh, this man is pretty. Oh, I like pretty things. Oh, maybe I like women." For a lot of women, a lot of a lot of a lot of queer women I know were like deep into Legolas. What as teenage as like middle schoolers and and teenagers, they were like, "Yes, Legolas." Orlando Bloom was like a gateway drug. Honestly, like I I. I like, even if we want to get into, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, I saw someone who was like... I it was can... his gateway key to his, the rest of his career. To uh, marrying Katy Perry. It's it's still wild. But what I was going to say is, like, I literally saw, like, one friend of mine, one lesbian friend of mine, tweet something along the lines of, yeah, I was really into Pirates of the Caribbean, and I think the thing that I didn't realize is, I thought I wanted to be with Will Turner, when really I wanted to be with Kira Knightley and be Will Turner. <laughs> I'm just saying, Orlando Bloom eased people in, in a way. You know? He eased people into that. I don't know if we need to give Orlando Bloom that much credit. Uh, Maybe not Orlando Bloom himself, but the people who are casting Orlando Bloom. Exposure to media. (laughs) Exposure to... (laughs) Yes. Okay. Okay, Fellowship... They clearly needed to watch um, Labyrinth. (laughs) Fellowship is like... Well, it is two different movies, if you really get down to it. You've got everything leading up to Rivendell, and everything after Rivendell. And I think that all the Shire stuff is very good, like, does a good job of establishing, like, the idyllic life of the Hobbits, while still intercutting the horror of the outside world of Middle-earth. Because you've got, you know, all that nice stuff, but then you've also got Gandalf digging up those, uh, papers at, like, Minas Tirith, and then you've, and then that immediately cuts to the Nazgul torturing Gollum. It's like, you've... Now that's a good part of the movie. All the Nazgul, you like? Yeah, the, they were cool. The Black Riders. Yeah. Oh. Now that is that is some cool mythical stuff right there. I think the uh, intro of Aragorn, like Vigo is sitting in the corner lit by his pipe. Great stuff. It comes in pints. Iconic moment. <laughs> like <laughs> fellow Fellowship had so much groundwork to do. And hardcore fans complain about it because it cut a lot of stuff. Like, no Tom Bombadil. Okay, well, no... we didn't. We can't watch a seven-hour movie here. We could, but we shouldn't. You know? <laughs> I mean, arguably, we watched, like, a nine-hour movie by okay. watching all of these. I've never read... I mean, obviously, I haven't read the entire thing. Yeah. But, no, like, not a single book that I've read that's, like, a really long book would I be like, oh, yes, and every single detail needs to be in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, if you want that, make it a series. Right. Make it a mini-series, which... Oh, wait. I guess Amazon is going to do that with the Silmarillion, basically, so... I don't understand. The Silmarillion is the uh, creation myth of... Oh, no, like, I understand that part. Oh, you, why Amazon is doing this? Because everyone wants a new Game of Thrones, baby. I don't. And by trying to make Lord of the Rings a new Game of Thrones, Amazon, I think, is going to lose what makes Lord of the Rings so special. Which I think... That you can still get it on VHS. 
Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, weaknesses of this movie. There's a total of two women in it. There's more than no, that. No, there's Hobbit women. Okay, Hobbit women. There's three named women. Let's let's do that. Let's do that. There's three named um, women. The best woman uh, is in the at the end. The warrior lady. Well, she's in the second one too. It's in the middle. It's in the middle. Oh no, you're thinking of Aowen. The blonde girl. Well, I'm just talking about fellowship, right? Do we? Oh, we're just talking. We about need fellowship. to talk about this as a whole, don't we? I think so. I don't think we need to go through everything because that's going to take way too long. Okay, then let's then let's do this. There are three na- There are four named women. In these, in, in Ooh, all of these movies, that's not good. It's not. <laughs> it's real bad. It? It's well, but I mean, they're just basing it off the book, which it's terrible. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why I wasn't interested. <laughs> but I mean, it's uh, you've got Arwen. That's the well. First, first one you got Rosie. You've got Rosie, who's Sam's lo- Sam's love interest. Who, yeah. Sam's Sam's beard. If we're honest, yeah, um, he he only loves Frodo. Yeah, you've got Arwen, who kicks so much ass in Fellowship. Yeah. And is not given enough to do in the other two movies. No. Um, and you've got Galadriel, the queen of the forest, elf queen, beautiful and terrible, fan yes. fucking tastic. Kate Blanchett, destroy me. Um, and you have Eowyn, who is who. When I was a kid, it was confusing that the, there was Arwen and Eowyn. If I'm being yeah, completely honest, it's still confusing. Uh, Eowyn is the shield maiden of Rohan, and she is. Fucking fantastic. Um, but that's it. And none of them interact with each other. And nope. it sucks. Um, also, these movies are so white. These movies are so fucking white. Are there any people of I'm, color in this uh, movie? <laughs> not in Fellowship. Not in Two Towers. Unless you count people who are in orc costumes. Oh, no. Oh, wait. No, I guess there are people of color in Two Towers. Uh, on Oliphants, who are then on Oliphants in Return of the King. Okay. The only people of color are evil. It sucks. I was impressed at how much I liked the last one. Return of the King? Yeah, and I think it was because of all the cool, weird, like, CGI creatures. That were so well composited in the shots. There's also those weird dragon things. Oh, the, the, fel- the Felbies. So those are inter- introduced in Two Towers. So, like, let's, let, let me hear, this. which one was your favorite? Overall, like, because I will say there's, there's like a different, I have like a different ranking for, for different situations. I, I don't, I don't know if it's just the, because we watched this one last, but I really like the third one the best. It's because it wraps it up so well, I think. It's because, it, because the when, first one has the best story. You think so? Yeah. Because it, because it's a classic. it keeps them, the, the call to, and I think you, it really does like, you really like, like the call to adventure and encapsulates like the, the spirit of it. Yeah. Like the death of Gandalf and stuff like that. That's, yeah. that stuff is all very good. And even just like the tavern and like being chased by the, by the black horse things. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it also had like just some great horse stuff too. Great I mean, horse. The, the best, Ooh, the best horse the stuff The whole the thing had great horses. I'll say that. I mean, the fact that there's an entire nation that's, their entire thing is based on their prowess with horses. It's, yes. it's pretty great. It's pretty great. They're horse Vikings, basically. I love them. That's what I want to be. I always wanted to be Rohirrim, too. Like, ugh. They have the best, like, stuff. It's like, oh, Gondor's got the white tree. Oh, yeah. They're all ethereal and, like, kind of militaristic and bordering on fascist. But, like, you got Rohan, and they're, like, all green and horses and grasslands and mountains. And like fourth Aerlingus, yes. Um, <laughs> like, what did you just say? Fourth Aerlingus. Fourth. That's 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 what a that's uh what Theoden yells whenever he, he leads the charge. What does it mean? Fourth, go forth, and then Aerlingas. I think that's I think that's just a different language for like what their war what they that's a different word for what they call their warriors. I don't know Tolkien languages. Roast me. <laughs> There some wow, I've never been more proud, honestly. <laughs> I was so weird you'd be like, yeah, and I know all the elf words for uh No, I only sword know like, and I only, pretty lady and I only know like one elf word and it's father because it's because Arwen <laughs> says that when she says she's like Hada and I'm like Arwen <laughs> uh, uh, Okay. Let me put this differently. I don't know what the individual words that the elves are saying are. Mm-hmm. 
but I have watched and these movies in, partic- no in particular the two towers enough that when they are saying, I know what they are saying uh, and when they are saying it, so I could translate it without. Well, they watching. translate it right. They do translate okay. it on screen. So like, so it's not that wild. But like, I know. I know exactly what everyone is saying without looking at the screen because I've watched this movie so many fucking times. Viggo Mortensen speaking Elvish is pretty great. Like, I lo- that's... I love the Two Towers. I love the Two Towers so much. Can we talk about the Two Towers for a minute? We've talked about Fellowship. Like, Moria... Moria is good. Like, I love the, the speak, friend, and enter when it's like the whole, this whole... Gandalf's like trying to figure out this whole world oh, it's wait, literally just wait. say friend and Elish, Elvish and the, then Frodo the figures door? it out. Yeah. The moon door is cool. The moon door is very cool. All the design aspects. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm just thinking about all the books that have stolen this moon door. (laughs) Definitely Aragon, right? There's a moon door. Listen, Aragon is just Star Wars and Lord of the Rings all at once. That's its whole... That's its whole thing. Man. Like, down to the I am your father twist. Like... Which is that? Which he then reverses in the next book to make it so Obi Wan's the father. We but, were always saying that Aragon was a bad movie, but maybe it wasn't the movie's fault. <laughs> I've heard his new book is good. I've oh. heard. I, I do want to check. One it One day sometime. when I have whatever that thing called free time is. You see, this is the thing. Aragon, the first t- few times I read it, is almost as hard to get through as like fellowship of the ring if i'm honest like what the the beginning is so confusing because he's you gotta just, listen to a few of you can't sweat out while you're but he's it. just throwing so many words at you that he hasn't explained yet and i'm just like <sighs> it's it does yeah. that thing that some, well, <laughs> let me put it this way if you look at the fantasy that i'm into now everything is explained as it goes even if you're like on the fifth book in the series so like brandon sanderson when i read the rhythm of war he like exp- he like re-explained everything in a way that didn't feel like it was an impediment to the reader. You know, I think that's a cultural shift, though. I th- and I think and I think it's good. I think fantasy should be accessible <sighs> because people well, this get is into a fa- it. Lord of the Rings was a fantasy that was very accessible because it was the first thing to do this, so it was already explaining all this stuff. Also, it had like very copious appendixes, appendices. That's that's the plural. The movie. No, okay. I was trying to say that the movie. Oh, the movie. Because like, there are very few people that you meet, like that have not seen this. Yeah, I mean, you it's get like, it. It's like it's a wizard. There's dark forces, They're, and they don't need to like define the magic system or anything because it's just general. Because not even, mm-hmm. that many people even have access to magic. It's just like you get power this way. There's magic that some people can use. Like it's so straightforward right. when you really get down to it. Like. Uh, two towers. Two towers. Let's. We talked some about Fellowship. I love Gimli. We we love all the boys. Uh, Sean Bean's performance in Fellowship is absolutely heartbreaking. Like when you see Boromir like go down the down the well of darkness and realize what he's done and then sacrifice himself. Like uh, Sean Bean with the arrows sticking out of him, blowing the horn, like falling to the ground, just devastated me. Such a weird audition tape for Lord of the Rings. I mean, for, for Game, Game of Thrones. Thrones? Gosh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he stole the Declaration of Independence, and it was fine. He's the villain in National Treasure? You didn't know? This is the best thing I've ever heard. I think... I think the inclusion of uh, the, the foregrounding of Boromir, which I guess is a thing in the books, too. But I think Peter Jackson does a really good job, because I think Boromir and Faramir's stories are the most directly human stories in there the one like it's it's all actually about humanity the hobbits are yeah. supposed to be like human inserts too but the family drama of like boromir faramir and denethor that like is drawn through the three movies is so compelling to me these names are just a lot <laughs> well i mean you thought denethor was absolutely fucking crazy right Who's denethor the, the old guy the old guy who's in fringe who try who burns himself alive after trying to burn his son alive remember oh yeah the the dinner scene in Return of the King where he's eating the where he's eating the tomatoes mm-hmm. and like Pippin mm-hmm. is singing and it's cut intercut with a charge on Osgiliath and then it cuts away right as they loose arrows and Man <sighs> Separating I, Mary and Pippin was a choice. I whooped. I whooped. I oh. cry I cry during a lot of these movies. <laughs> if just I'm the They're just lighting little beacons and you're like crying. The be- don't do this to me. <laughs> Don't make fun of me. <laughs> the, but literally, 
literally Gandalf says, hope is Kindle. Okay? <laughs> it's it's about hope. Oh my god. The entire god. thing. But it's, 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 <laughs> I, I want to call it a visual metaphor, but it's so it literal. Is. It is a visual metal- metaphor in some ways, because it's about, like, searching for the light and the light spreading from place to place until it gets there. And then, ugh. And the fact that Aragorn, Aragorn, the heir to the heir of Isildur, who's been a, these, this family that's been away from the throne for 10,000 years, Aragorn, who's destined to lead these men to glory, he's the one who sees it. He's the one who brings the news and gets the help of Rohan. And it demonstrates that only when we come together in times of peril are we able to overcome the darkness. And it's very important. I can't if you're able to translate these fantasy men to your real life. What do you mean to my real life? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's just... Okay. Considering right now the the way that the world is, which we talk about some on this podcast, but not all the time, that scene of someone reaching out and asking for help and that help being given freely and without obligation out of because because you know it's the right thing to do, there's something that gets me about it, okay? And that being literally represented by the flame going from mountain to mountain is just and the thing that really helps that is the score which we haven't talked about yet and that I need to talk about with you who did the score? I think fuck I forgot so not John Williams I used to own no not John Williams (laughs) oh god I I used to own some of these on iTunes like literally I bought the Rohirrim theme on on the Rohan Howard Shore I bought the Rohan theme on iTunes with the with the Norwegian fiddle and everything, which is so good. The I don't know. I guess this is weird, but I don't really like listening to movie scores <laughs> I unless do, I'm watching the movie. I used to be much more into it. I'm no, less. I, I don't so, know. I'd rather listen to like music made for like just music listening. I. Uh, the exception to that now Black is... Black Panther? Let's <laughs> see, like, and, and Mando. And, see, modern, more modern scores that are, like, jumping away from, like, the, the cinematic... And some John Williams scores I can listen to on their own. Like, not make the ones that were, like, composed as, like, marches and stuff like that that weren't necessarily meant to be... Like, Scherzo for X-Wings, I fucking love. But I the, the scores that I find myself listening to lately are Reznor and Ross scores, which... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could listen to the social network score at any given time of day. like, But that's also because listening to that is basically just listening to the instrumental Nine Inch Nails stuff, which yes. I really do like. Howard Shore. Howard Shore did the score for these. So many leitmotifs and iconic themes in here because you've got... I feel like most... Every culture has like its own theme because you've got the... Uh, there, there are arguably two different main themes for the Lord of the Rings. There's the, there's the Hobbit theme. Well, there's there's the Hobbit theme, but I'm, I'm talking about the, the main things. There's the... Oh, yeah, the ring one. Yeah, that's the ring theme. Mm-hmm. You've got the Fellowship theme, which is... Yeah, I don't think you have to hum them all. I think everyone knows. Rohan them. theme, which we've already done. Gondor theme, which I really like. The, if only we could just insert these... Would we get sued if we did that? The the Loth, uh you've got the Lorian theme. The Lorian theme the too. The the Loth, the woods uh, the wood theme. Um the the wood elf theme, like Galadriel's theme, which is then which then becomes the Helm's Deep theme in the next one because they sent the elves to Helm's Deep the you see, you see that, and that's like ethereal voices in the first one. But then, for the Helm's Deep feet part, they translate that to horns, which makes it so good. And that sounds like the elves are charging the Urukai, and it's oh, it's very good. It's all very good. Like that, it's hard to comment on these movies all in one. I wish, I kind of wish we had done this as three episodes now, uh. because <laughs> the through line of these movies for me is that they're just so sweeping and dramatic oh yes because 
but it still finds time for very intimate moments in between about like the relationships between people like it's so grounded in those friendships and relationships like especially demonstrated more than anything by the sam and frodo relationship i think oh yeah the hobbits are the they're the heart of the movie yeah and it, they're meant to be like the self-insert like you you are the hobbits like mm-hmm. i mean the hobbits are the people who have gone for the idyllic english countryside to fight in the trenches i mean if it's you just get down world war two right world war one it's world war one it tolkien hated when people said that that's what it was but like but that's what it was that's what it was i mean a bunch we, of nations coming together to I, save the world you and i have both read issue two of die like we <laughs> oh i would have liked to see the elves which is a literal line from sam in the uh, it's it's about i think experiencing the horror of war and like looking for like answering to like a higher calling and going forth to a calling of duty but it's also like about the way that it changes people and i mean it felt pretty fucking timely even if it wasn't intended to be you know because this is coming out 2000 to like 2002 or 2003 i always mess up flub the years a little bit but this is happening at the beginning of the Afghanistan conflict and the Iraq conflict and the beginning of, well, arguably with just a break in the 90s, 90s, like the continuation of the forever war, essentially. Like, this is a thing that everyone is experiencing in some form or another, like, whether directly or indirectly. Like, there are those of us who are ignoring, like, the reality. There are those of us who are frightened by the reality. It's... It's, I think the thing that makes this worse is they feel they felt kind of timely, but in a way, they're so much of another time. Because at least the war in Lord of the Rings is arguably a war of defense, a war of justice. But is there really a war of justice? And that's why the orcs made it too easy. Mm-hmm. And that's and this is where we get into the problems with race especially Fan- well fantasy wars are easy because you there's always some quote unquote clear cut bad guy especially in this like time of fantasy not not necessarily now like i yeah. think a lot of people have incorporated that more into the think, now like that the other side has a reason n- for what they're doing not to plug my boy brandon sanderson yet again oh but my God. he does this better than anyone he really like he really looks at what some might call the the enemy and gives them humanity and looks at like why looks at their motivations it's not just oh sauron is trying to gather power it's this person has been trapped in this realm for years and years and years and he's trying to impose his view and like all the bad guys are good in their eyes and sauron's just a dark lord you know i'm sure the amazon series is (laughs) i'm sure the amazon series is gonna try and give him like human uh, motivations we don't need young hot sauron who fucks that's what we're gonna get okay can i say one thing though you can that... say lots there's so <laughs> there's so much i didn't even get to from my notes oh just no i said i was gonna say something. go for it go okay. for it so this is probably the last movie where the third movie was actually the end where they didn't try to split it into like some dumb two-parter mm-hmm. like this is the last third part movie <laughs> Thank you. There are no more trilogies. <laughs> Only one, two, three A and three B. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think they did that with the Hobbit. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean came out after this, and now I will now. Well, that's a septuplet or whatever. <laughs> but when it when that last one came out, it was an ending, and all the sequels since then don't count. They no. don't exist. We don't acknowledge them, <laughs> except for the one that Sam Claflin was in, and he was I. Right. Because Ian McShane's there. We acknowledge all the non-Jack Sparrow parts of the one that Sam Claflin and Ian McShane were in. I think that I think we can agree on but that. But it didn't need to exist. We could have just made a different pirate movie. Yeah. We could have. No one has attempted one since. Believe it or not, we could have just gone with, I don't know, Will and Elizabeth? The parts of the movie right. that were actually... Okay. Jack Sparrow was huge as a character and as a phenomenon. And he did so much... But I didn't watch the movies for Jack Sparrow. You know, I watched them for... This isn't what we're talking about. 
It's just like when I bring up one piece of pop culture from this era, it's hard to not think Mm -hmm. about all of it. Because, I mean, Pirates was almost like cool Lord of the Rings. Or dorkier Lord of the Rings, depending on depending on which side you viewed it from, you know? It was Lord of the Rings with more comedy, <laughs> is what Pirates felt like in some ways. Mm. I don't know if we have to compare it to Lord of the Rings. I think we should. I think we mm. should, because I think a lot of the people who were into Pirates were the same people who, three years before, were deeply into Lord of the Rings. Mm. I don't know. I would say there was a lot of overlap in my friend group. Um, because I think... I think Lord Lord of the Rings, in a way, is responsible for a lot of what Hollywood is now. The franchise instinct. Yeah. Lord of the Rings was huge. It just like okay. Not, but what about, I don't think I don't think like Back to the Future. But I don't think like even since Star Wars, <laughs> like not not since Star Wars, did you have like something that was as much of a cultural phenomenon? Like I. Or at least in terms of, like, a big budget movie well, making that much money in, like, merch and everything. Yeah. Well, every decade there's something like that. Because, like, Lord of the Rings is... I mean, Game of Thrones is basically a Lord of the Rings for 2010. A Lord of the Rings that fucks. Yeah. Oh, there was none of that. Oh, my gosh. This Completely movie is so sexless pure. Movies. Completely sexless. Like, implications with, like, Arwen and Aragorn. But, like, there would no, not be... no, like, overt references at all. To sex. Like... Like, there aren't movies like that anymore, really. No. No, the Marvel movies certainly aren't no. that. The, like, it's... It's just like... Huh. But you didn't feel like it was missing. Either. No. Because, like... I feel like... You have you have that in epics. Like, in, like, traditional epics. But in, like, the, the stories that were being told in the 20th century, maybe not so much. Well, it, this didn't really have many romantic elements other than, like, from like friendship romance. like And, of course, Aragorn and Arwen, who I wish we had seen maybe a little more. But of. even that was so, like... it. I think because the implication is that it's been going on for so long they didn't even need to dive into it. Because they've always been in love with each other, kind of. You know? Ugh. And, like, Aragorn, Ar- Arwen's sacrifice is arguably pretty romantic. Ugh. It's... Hmm. Okay. I feel like we've talked so much about the trilogy as a whole. I just want to talk some about like my favorite visual moments. How about before you do that, let's take a trip to the concession stand. I agree. Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Steampunks, a podcast about badass women in the history of steam. Steam? So like old trains and boats and stuff? No. Well, I mean, yes, but no. STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Math. Oh, like how Ada Lovelace was the first computer programmer, like, ever? Exactly. Awesome. I want to learn more about steampunks. And you will. And so will anybody who tunes in every other Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Join me and Emily on Steampunks every other Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network. And keep flying, you beautiful, majestic, steam-powered horses. So I have been reading a lot of books this year, and I'm always looking for a good way to find a good deal on a book. Maybe I want it used, or maybe I'm looking for a book that's kind of out of print right now. And, you know, I don't want to go through maybe some of the big companies, because, you know, we we know there are issues there. A good way to do the opposite would be to go to Abe Books. Abe Books is an online marketplace that lists millions of new, used, rare, and out-of-print books and other collectible items. So they connect you with thousands of professional booksellers in more than 50 countries worldwide. So if you want to check it out, you can go to affiliates.abebooks.com ppn. That's A-F-F-I-L-I-A-T-E-S dot A-B-E-B-O-O-K-S dot com slash ppn. All right. Favorite visual moments. Well, first of all, I need to get out my least favorite visual moment. And Which is? It's the Rivendell montage at the beginning where Frodo's like having the visions of Elrond and it's so badly rendered where it's like <laughs> white space and then he like dissolves in in like a 90s digital effects way. It's 
Uh, oh my gosh, we didn't even talk about how well the CGI holds up. Yeah. God, or Circus's performance. Like, <gasps> okay, well, we'll Andy save Circus's that. What are, your other, what are your other visuals? But my favorite visual moments, I love the uh, when Arwen calls the river. Oh, when, oh just, that was an Aslan moment right there. Oh, I really, uh, let's, I'm, because my favorite visual moments are arguably just my, my tear moments, if I'm honest. Um, let's see. It's just constant. <laughs> when Gan, uh, when Gandalf and Aemir charge Helm's Deep from the, uh, from the gap and they, ch- and all the horses just come pouring into the mountain and it's. In fact, anytime there's a giant horse charge, I love it. Live for it. What do you think the horse budget was on this movie? Uh, I remember watching featurettes on like the uh, Return oh, of the wait. King movie. Oh wait, didn't someone keep their horse from this one? Aragorn, like Viggo Mortensen kept his horse. Or was that Hildago? It was this one, I think. Is this one? I think it was this one. Yeah. Maybe every movie he does, he just keeps his horse. <laughs> do you think he kept the car from Green Book? Anyway, uh, no. Gandalf, um, Gandalf casting the uh, the light spell to ward off the Nazgul when they're uh, when they're retreating from Osgiliath. That's so good, so good. Um, mm, mm. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff where you there's a lot of power in the visuals of these movies. Well, this is like very well, like when the when the Balrog like first spreads his wings and like whips the. And, like, whips the causeway as Gandalf's just standing in front of him just with his staff. And it's just, like, you see the way that he's standing against his power. Like, like I don't know if there's a lot of mocap before this. There's some, but there's... The way that it's rendered so well and composited so well is... I think that helps. What makes it work. And I think I've been reading a lot because they just released, like, a, a soup, an Ultra HD remaster, a 4K remaster. Mm. And the 4K remaster did not do any favors to the CGI. <laughs> Uh, it it all looked like too sharp and like unrealistic. Mm. I think these movies benefited from being made when they were, because all the compositing looked so good. Uh. Uh. Oh, also like when Aragorn is has has the reforged sword and he's like sticking it out in front of him in the city of the dead, and uh, he's surrounded by all the ghosts. You talked about how good the ghosts looked too. Oh yeah, I like the yeah, undead like, army. All the like prosthet- all, all the like prosthetic work that was just like faded in, like yeah, like it, that. it looked like the mirror trick. Yeah, like, the, like the, the Pepper's Man- Ghost tri- trick. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> it's and the that's the thing is so much of the effects were done in camera. Like all a lot of like the size and perspective stuff was just manipulate like, with the hobbits was just set design and like I think. There was like actually like a giant ring to make like a, a visual illusion for certain shots from the point where like you're looking from like the point of view of the ring at like Gandalf or something like mm-hmm. that in Fellowship. I think Fellowship did a really good job with the visual. Yeah, you don't usually see the Hobbit's feet when they're with other people. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll make a point to pan back to them just so that you know that like they try to trick you into thinking that they're not using perspective really. Yeah, exactly. Like you'll see their like nasty little feet. And like, then, in the next shot. But then the scenes where it's, like, clearly, like, two bits composited, it's done very well. Like, I think about the, uh, when they're doing the Green Dragon drinking song at Edoras. Like, when they're dancing on the table and everyone is standing around them. They actually look small. There. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh. They used a giant table, no? <laughs> mm-hmm. And there are some things that are, like, cheesy relics of, like, the 90s and early 2000s. Like, the Palantir scene, like, the way the slow-mo was done. Anytime there's, slow, the slow, there's like, slow-mo and dropped frames, it looks a little bit, like, stilted. In, in like a way that's like it's running behind in some ways, but it's overall I think pretty masterfully made. God, it's got its problems though. Like the uh, all the Haradrim stuff with the um, like if you if you looked up onto the back of the Oliphants during the Return of the King scene, everybody there looked uh, very Middle Eastern, very very Middle Eastern. And like, I mean, uh, I just kind of thought it was the. Oh no, they did have like little. Mm-hmm. They had the, the head scarves yeah. and mm-hmm. like, not great. And I think they were just trying to go for like an Alexander the Great thing, but mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. it didn't. It didn't work. No, it did not work that well. 
especially watching it now when there's just such a lack of any color at all (laughs) in the whole thing and that could have been done much better but i mean i really do love these movies i i wish that the people who shot battle scenes for fantasy shows and movies now would take some lessons from how those battle scenes were shot and how they were lit and how we're able to at all times see the action that's going on on screen and not just lost in frenetic shaky camera and overly dark stuff yeah and they need to let someone surf during the scenes yes they do need to let every battle needs one surfing elf yes one surfing elf (laughs) and maybe a couple of tossed dwarves as well that that really tends to break immersion for me, though. It did even not. though it's funny, it never did for me. It just because it was just like it's cool. Are you kidding? No, it's like Legolas will always take the most fun way to get somewhere. He will grab the neck of the horse and leap up onto it and like do it like a little loop while they're charging the wargs. Like, ugh. Mm, I can two towers. I I will say is the one that I watch the most because really yes yes why. Well, I think it's the one that we had for the longest amount of time, partially. But um, I think that Two Towers stands on its own better than the other two do. Really? I think, like, you can... you can If you watch Fellowship of the Ring, then you want to watch Two Towers. If you watch Return of the King, you need to have watched Two Towers and Fellowship of the Ring before. Actually, I don't think so anymore. No. But I think, I think that the one that stands the best on its own inside of the trilogy is the Two Towers because... It's, um, it's kind of self-contained. Like it's, it is the middle movie, but I don't think it suffer, suffers from like the middle movie problems that a lot of other middle movies and tri- trilogies do. Like, I don't know. Or it maybe felt, it or felt like maybe, a prep movie to me. It didn't because you had Helm's Deep, Helm's and Helm's mm-hmm. Deep was supposed to be like a preview. But I think, I think Helm's Deep is one of the best like battle scenes ever made. Like, I think it's. Because you have so much time to be like in- intimately familiar with the location, you know the limitations that they have. You see the, you're very well visually demonstrated the odds that they have against, and like yes, the trebuchets and catapults at Minas Tirith are cool as hell. The trolls, gr- the ha- the warhammer, Grand, the 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 battering ram, like it's all really cool. But I think, I feel like Helm's Deep didn't have, and this is gonna be. It didn't have as many fantastical elements as the other battles in the series, which is what made it, I think, better. I mean, sure, they were fighting Urukai, but no one was using magic. There were no flying beasts or anything. It was just a down and dirty battle. Like, the most fantastical element is the bomb they used to blow the wall. I think... I mean, from That surprised me. The bomb... <laughs> <laughs> like, out of nowhere, like, okay... Gotta blow this up. What? (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that made it, is what made it so effective is because it's a real technology that real people would eventually have access to. And I think that's what makes Helm's Deep so good is because it is purely just, it feels like a battle that could have happened, you know? Pelennor Fields is great. You've got the the it's it's so epic when the Rohirrim charge over the over in Pelennor Fields and the Oliphants come and and they're just huge and giant. But the stakes are almost too high and it's almost too fantastic because you've got the you've got the damn Fells beasts coming in and like picking them off and like ripping the trebuchets. That wouldn't happen in like a real medieval battle. Helm's Deep, it's siege ladders, it's battering rams, it's spears, it's arrows, it's... It's real. Ugh. It's... And it's not real. Obviously. (laughs) But, like, it's... The philosophy with which it is shot, I think, adheres so well to... mm. And, oh, Haldir's death, I think, is such an effective scene. When he's, like, slashed in the back, and... And at that point, the slow-mo doesn't even feel that cheesy. Because you see him and all of his elves that he's brought with him. F- these immortal creatures who don't reproduce like humans. There's only a few of them left. And they've all fallen on the wall. And they're covered in like the black blood of the Orokai. And you have Aragorn who's like yelling out for him. Trying to save him. Like, And then the charges. Like, mm, like there's something epic about the scale of Return of the King. But I think... 
that it loses some of the humanity that you really feel in that battle at Helm's Deep. <sighs> How do we even rate these? You know, I'm I'm gonna do something controversial. I don't think we should rate these. I don't think we should even rank them. What? You don't think we should rate them? We always rate things. I know we always rate things, but like, I cannot... Foolish habits. I cannot give an objective... I mean, none of my ratings are objective. Nothing is objective. But I feel like this one especially, I'm so compromised because so... The, these inform so much of like the way that I intake like media and pop culture, you know? You know, we didn't even talk about the best character. Who's the best character? Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> I only wish talk a about, tasty fish. Talk about so humanity. He's yes. the direct insert of humanity. God, but he is, is the thing. Because everyone else is so like one directionally motive like I don't know. He's 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 the greed of capitalism, but he's also just, like, emblematic of desire. And I feel like, uh, yeah, everyone else is working towards this one goal, but he he just seems to have the most, like, human emotion to him. Well, I mean, he's an addict. Yeah. I, I, oh, I yeah. Think, he's straight up, like, and I a think drug addict. What makes it, like, especially compelling, like... Everyone else, like, girds their, like, gilds their desire for the ring with what they could do with it. Like, Boromir's entire thing is, like, it would be a great weapon for Gondor. But really, he just wants the ring because the ring is made to be desired. Mm -hmm. With Smeagol, he just wants it because it's his precious. He, like, cuts out all of that because that's all that's left of him is that desire. Like, Smeagol slash Gollum. I also love the way that Andy Serkis plays, like, the Smeagol and Gollum conversations. Like, and the way that it's rendered so well with the mocap, like... Like, mm, Gollum looks better than, like, a lot of mocap that's happening. Right? Yeah. I mean, better than cats. But, uh, <laughs> that's, but Aww. that's a, cats is a whole thing, isn't it? Like the There thing, were some budget cuts there. The budget cuts specifically because they didn't like the unfinished trailers, which made it worse. I really want to know what it would have looked like if they had just gone with their, whatever their original idea was. It wouldn't have saved we'll, it, but. We'll never know. Oh, man. I I just... There's so much to talk about, that, and we definitely didn't talk about all of it. Like, I am no man. Like, oh, The Ents. The Ents. Oh, I love I the I feel ants. like that's the America the, insert. The, the, the miniature... Well, the Ents are like the old forests of England that are... Like, that's... Like, well, but who is the one that comes in at the end when they finally realize that they, like, are affected too? <laughs> who is always the last one there? <laughs> Good old US. I love the miniature work with Isengard too, and with like the bursting of the dam and like the flooding. Like, like the amount of practical work in this movie is so good, and it interacts so well with the CGI. Like, I I don't know that we're ever gonna see movies like this again. Well, no, like like a movie that's like. Like, I, I'm just because I'm just being honest. Peter Jackson tried to make these movies again and he failed. Yeah, the, the, and and we're getting covered by Marvel, so yeah, exactly. Marvel is like changed the paradigm. They're the only fantasy and like, movie and right not, now. And they're not fantasy. They're like superhero right. comic book sci-fi, and that's fine. They're their own thing, but they've influenced the rest of the filmmaking world mm-hmm. in a pretty negative way. Like, I think I'm I'm not gonna get any fans for this. I'm going to say something really oh, fucking no. controversial. Oh, no, are you sure? I love Pacific Rim. I think it's a great movie. I think it is absolutely Guillermo del Toro making a Marvel movie. Ooh. <laughs> like He wasn't involved in the second one, right? He was a producer. The second one was... I, I think the best way... I, I forget who said this. I think it might have been David Sims. But I think uh, he said it was like watching three episodes of a potential... Uh, a, a three-episode failed pilot of a Pacific Rim TV show. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first... I, I love the first one, but it, it's absolutely in conversation with Marvel and Michael Bay's Transformers movies. You know? It's... So there's... Oh, it's, it's It's a... There is a... Mm, 
I think there's like a there's been like a quipification, if you will, like where dialogue has become like less important and like motive and motivation is just get the thing, get the thing, move the thing, and there's been like a sidelining of the humanity of. Well, you know, like you make a good point because you know how earlier you were talking about how Lord of the Rings explains everything. Like you don't have to have any inherent knowledge to like enjoy or watch it. That's the exact opposite of what's happening in literally every franchise right now. You have to have some, like, background and, like, encyclopedic knowledge. And it doesn't make you smart. It doesn't make you cool. It just makes you annoying. Even the first two Star Wars sequels, which I liked, suffer from this problem. Yeah. Like, The Last Jedi could arguably stand on its own, but then... But... But, like, you still have to have at least a little bit of background knowledge of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, I took my family to see it, and my grandmother was there for Christmas, and she was like, she didn't understand a bit of it, because she didn't know Star Wars well. Like, that's... Huh. What a mess. You know? Like, what happened to... Make fantasy accessible again. <laughs> God. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, Dennis Villeneuve is our only hope at this point. Who? Denis Villeneuve. Maker of Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, which we were able to watch without basically any knowledge of the uh, first Blade Runner. You watched it. <laughs> you were very sleepy that night. We're going to have another... I don't know. We're going to have another try of it. Arrival, though. Arrival, I think we can both agree, like, great standalone sci-fi movie. Yeah, it's still a little dense, though. I think we got to see what happens with Dune. We got to see what happens the worm. with Dune. The worm! The worm might save us. The worm might save us all. Okay, so we're rating it. <laughs> Surprise twist. Three out of three movies. <laughs> what? No. Okay. Uh. How many drunken ponies? Is that... Oh, it's prancing a dance. Po- prancing, it's a prancing pony. pony in Brie. <laughs> uh, I give it seven out of nine rings for the kings of men. What? <laughs> Out of nine? No. You're not even going to do a logarithmic? <laughs> okay, fine. Okay. Really, three point, uh, I, I give it like a 3.75 out of 5. Uh, no, I'm lying. I'm a liar. I'm a liar. This is at least a 4.25 out of 5 for yeah, me. Yeah, what a liar. It has a lot of problems wow. like that we didn't get into enough uh-huh. because I love them so much. I love them. I, I love them a lot. Are you, it was, are you giving less than half ratings now? What have I done? It was a lot. I had a lot of emotions rewatching these movies, and they brought like they brought up a, like a lot of stuff like because I watched these movies with like family and friends, so I think there's a lot of that tied up in there. Like there's just this communal experience I associate with Lord of the Rings, and I think I love them. I will not stop loving them. Four point two five out of five. Heartwarming. Yes. Destroy me. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 3.19. I hate you. <laughs> Not even a quarter rating? It, it's great for all the reasons that we stated, but... um, It's got problems for all the reasons that we stated. I'm not really going to pick it out of a lineup and be like, this is what I want to watch unless I'm like sick. Like, <laughs> it is such... And a, can't watch anything no, else. No, honestly, they are such good sick day movies. Like, they're, they're good movies for, like, when you've got nothing going on and you just want to lay back. Yeah. And maybe you just, like, want to, like, fold laundry or something. Or, like, you want to clean the kitchen and you need something on the background. Like, uh, one of our friends, like, describes The Two Towers as her, like, ideal study movie. Because she can just, like, hear it going on in the background and know the study? basics of what's going on. Yeah. Study? She doesn't need to pay attention to the story because she's seen it so mm-hmm. many times. Which is how I feel about it. Huh, I love these movies. We're a part of the Pocket Podcast Network. <laughs> Other shows include Sorted. Them's the Facts. Green uh, Mountain Mysteries. And Steampunks. And Cult Classics. Lots of great shows. Check them out. Huh. Our theme music is Organ Machines. It's the song Oil Waves off of their first EP Parallels. They have new music out. They do. Right now. Yes. And a video. And a video. It's spoopy. It's a good video. I like the video a lot. So check those out. Check everybody on the Pocket Podcast Network out. Huh. Next time, we're doing another big Warner Brothers franchise. And I'm actually super, super excited about this. Because it's epic, but like on an entirely different scale and with an entirely different time frame. 
but it's still like buck wild and fun and we're and not telling you what it is so you'll have to come back next it's time. mad max fury road aren't you so psyched i'm i'm so psyched there was a period Wait, does a franchise there's not there's only one movie baby you know there's like three movies before that one in the franchise right yeah but they didn't remake those does that it's a count? reboot this is a reboot it's a sequel slash reboot God, I just got Tom Hardy in it. Oh, we're about to get Tom Hardy content. About to get real. Oh, until next time, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. Don't buy. Anymore. DVDs. This is never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. We all saw him drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.